Hi, good morning everybody. Um, right, are we ready to go for um, the next sermon in the series of the One Another's? Uh, welcome to everybody again that's here and online and listening now or in the future. Great to have you with us this morning. So the title uh, this morning is Bear with One Another. So just to let you know that th this is a series that uh, we picked and then we got allocated dates and I got this one so I didn't choose it. <laughs> uh, and when I got it I thought oh my gosh bear with one another. This is going to be tricky. Bear with one another sounds to me an awful lot like how we deal with our personal interrelationships when things go slightly awry. <laughs> I even wore my proper shoes for the first time in about three years today. Just in case I stand on anybody's feet by mistake, I'm really sorry. <laughs> Don't want to tread on toes this morning, but it is possible. This could be a little bit, you know. Unless your reaction when people let you down, do the things you don't want, is just, you know, 100% perfect, then you're fine. Otherwise, if you're like everybody else, it's like, oh, okay, let's try, let's go. So, anyway, there is hope, and I believe, actually, this is a lot more than just about being tolerant and uh, being passive and silent and just letting things Get, get, you know, be, let people away with things. I, I really don't think it's about that. I think it's much more active and positive. And actually, when I started to prepare for this, I, I've uncovered a whole world of excitement and, and hope and power and, and significance in this uh, thought, this idea of bearing with one another. And um, the images that, you know, came to my mind about bearing with one another, where obviously as an engineer, I like to think, I think in those ways, and there's a bridge up there, and I think immediately of load-bearing structures. Stuart, the architect, will be with me on this one. And I immediately think uh, of load-bearing walls and, and bridges, and, and it, that image is really powerful, I think, and quite helpful. It, it, bridges allow you to get from one place to another whether it's people or uh, trains or water, or it, it makes things that would otherwise be really difficult quite simple. It gets you across a difficult passage. So bearing with one another, think about that image, bearing with another, it carries things, it bears a burden, it's like a house. And when we think about the church and load-bearing walls, those people in the church that have stood strong in the past and have stood faithful throughout years, people become load-bearers in the church, and that's a great thing. And I see many before me, and, uh, and many have stood uh, on, on years before, and we're built on even the foundation of Jesus and the apostles and the prophets, and we stand on these load-bearing people. So load-bearing with one another helps us carry each other. And the other image, of course, and um, our thoughts are with Anushka again, still hope she's doing okay, uh, Arvid, so it was great to hear, pray things are going okay for you guys. And that load-bearing, that bearing children, that picture of how a mother carries her unborn child is another beautiful picture of, I believe, what this is touching on, what God is 
wanting us to do to, to nurture people, to encourage them to grow, to give them time to be ready, to come alive, to help them through that period of transformation and change and growth. So we're wanting, I'm sure, to be carrying each other, to be nurturing each other. This is what bearing with one another is about, I think, and I hope. And that's uh, really um, helps me when I think about that. But it's even more than that, because Jesus came to bring unity, unity between God and mankind, unity in the church, and unity between people everywhere. And this week of all weeks, we see how difficult unity is right before us, how hard it is to achieve in this world. And um, I'm indebted to Stuart's sermon a few weeks ago when he talked about the who behind the why behind the what. It's important to think about these things when we're thinking about the what today of bearing with one another, that behind that is the why. And the why actually goes all the way back to Genesis when Adam and Eve decided to believe the serpent rather than trust in God. And in that moment, a cataclysmic break in the cosmic realm happened between heaven and earth, between God and man, that God has been trying and is going to resolve completely one day. He's bringing back He's bringing back the unity that once was there. The firstborn of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, are an example of what happened that's so bad that needs fixed. Cain, the older brother, famous story, murders his younger brother, Abel. And when God says, where are you? Where is Abel? Cain, where is he? And he says, am I my brother's keeper? And God says to him, I hear the blood of Abel crying out to me from the ground. And to be honest, if you read through the rest of Genesis and you look at human history and you look at the world around us today, that problem has never gone away. That characteristic of mankind that seems to cause us to want to kill each other and dominate each other, and we see it at, the, at nation level, at community level, at family level, and it's not just killing, but it's the, it's, that's the extreme. But even when Jesus came and said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, if somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn to them and if love your enemies. Jesus talked about this in the most powerful terms, his most challenging words, love your enemies. Forgive those who sin against you, our daily prayer. This was really, this is really significant, the why behind the what, if we start to see that this is the problem, it's a cosmic problem, and this is what God is wanting to solve, that he's brought Christ our Redeemer, the who behind the why, behind the what. And just um, as we uh, move into the first key scriptures, I want to just ask you to switch on your Bibles. It used to be open your Bibles, but I've wanted to use that for a long time. I never have. 
and just read to you about the who. This is Colossians 1. You just turn the next slide, uh, Reuben, as well, when you're ready. And I just, I'm going to ask you to pray quietly and listen to these words. This is the who behind the why, behind the what. This is about Jesus, and it's Colossians 1, verse 15. It says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. goes on to say, once you were alienated from God, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven uh, and of which Paul, I, Paul, have become a servant. Amen. This is our Jesus. He is the one who bears all things. He bears all creation on his broad shoulders. He bore our sins on the cross, and he bears all things together, and he's about reconciling God and man together, and he's about uh, um, bringing uh, faith and hope and love in us. Christ bears with us. So, therefore, the Scripture says, our key scripture to today, parallel verses. I'll just read one of them. It's Colossians 3, 12 to 14. Ephesians 4, 1 to 3 is other. They're very similar. Paul writes them both in his letters to uh, young, people, young churches wondering what to do and making sense of the Christian faith. So it's applicable to us so clearly. And based on what we've just read, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And Ephesians 4, 1 to 3 is very similar. And at the beginning you see the call and the purpose, the why of who you are because you're God's chosen people. Not because you are husbands or wives or fathers or children, but because you're God's chosen people. Where you begin, who you are in Christ. And at the end, the unity that God is wanting between all things, and in the middle, bear with one another because of who we are and what we're doing. We need to bear with one another. This is a powerful 
concept to bear with one another. It's so important that the whole gospel rests on this. You can see that God's purposes are going to be fulfilled as we bear with one another. And that's why he's reminding us that we need to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness, all these others that we've been talking about. It's amazing. This is what God is doing. And bearing with another suddenly becomes really important. That how we get on with each other becomes really important, in church particularly. That, that is because this is what God is doing for many organizations and families and things. Working together is a means to an end. But for the church and for God, it's, it's the end. Unity is the goal. Unity is what will show us that God loves us, that we love one another, that people are attracted to us. Unity is so incredibly powerful in the gospel. So how on earth are we going to do it? Bear with one another. Well, next slide, please. Tim Keller, who I've been reading as a Christian writer and author, and funnily enough, and a preacher, um, speaks on this verse, Proverbs. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. And we see this problem already arising. And it's not just cosmic problem, it's a very normal problem that you're all very familiar with. That it's clear that in the family, in our relationships, the effects that people have on us are significant. And Tim Keller and, you know, powerfully writes this, and it really um, challenged me and made me think about this a lot. The fact is we are unavoidably interdependent. We become what we are, and you have become who you are, not simply because of the choices you've made, but through how we've been loved and treated by others, for better or worse. That's true, isn't it? The people that we've been influenced by, influence who we are today. We are, we owe much to, to each other because of this interdependency. But therefore, when we fall short, when we, when, we're, when we do things wrong, that brings grief to, to other people. So here's the reality, Tim Keller writes. Life gives, life would be Without the ties by which people are members of one another, life would be much less painful, but immeasurably poorer. If we pull away, there is less grief. There is less grief, but less joy. So, and I have to admit, my comfort zone on a, after a busy week is just to chill out on my own and do absolutely nothing apart from watch March of the Day. And there's a temptation in me that makes me think, oh, my daydream is alone on a desert island with no more responsibilities, no more obligations, no more stuff to do for people or other things. It's like, oh, I want to pull away. But I realized then I may actually as well just be dead <laughs> if that's what I want. It's like I have no interaction with anybody and no influence on anybody. Nobody influences me. It's like, 
what's the point? There's no point. I'm, it's, so it's like, no, 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 that can't be right. So there's an extreme, that there's a temptation there that we want to pull away. And it's true, I'm sure, some, for, some of us more than others just like our own bit of time. But it becomes more serious when we start to disengage with our partners, with our kids, with our brothers, with our friends. And it's so hard to escape this reality that we tend to do this, and it's really difficult. But God's hope and purpose is that if we clothe ourselves with what He's given us, our compassion, our kindness, our humility. We can learn how to keep good relationships, and that's the hope. That's the joy. Jesus prays this for His disciples. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have given me, that they may be as one as we are, as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that you may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This is Jesus' almost final words, his prayer with his disciples, that they would have unity, for, and not just them, but us as well. It's so much on Jesus' heart that he wants us to work things out desperately wants us to work things out. That's what he's working towards. That's what he's working for. That's what he came to earth for. That's what he died for. That's what he's living and praying for right now. Just the last slide. And so we're still working. Well, how? How are we going to do it, Alan? Oh, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. But I asked the teacher, which is always a good thing to do. How do you do this? How do you do it? And I asked my daughter, Alana, who's a teacher, of young kids, seven, eight, nine years old or younger, five, six, yeah. And she, from the story she tells me and relates, is at the sharp end of people not getting on with one another. Can you imagine a classroom full of 20 kids at six years old on a Monday morning? I mean, there's going to be the odd. So how do you do it, Lana? What do you do? And she told me amazing things. And um, it's just brilliant. She, she's been trained, of course, she's, uh, and, and, and this is not unique to education. Uh, human behavioral analysis, I'm sure, will uh, be familiar to this type of thing as well. But it's so straightforward, it's so helpful. And um, the, the, the thing that Alana has used is this recognition of a scale of emotional... Um, alertness in, in the kids, so that they can be generally, uh, it could be any scale, one to five. And a one is when they're calm, teachable, they'll do what you're, they're told, they'll listen, they'll do this, other work, everything's going great. A five, and it's completely out of control, there's disruption everywhere, it's a disaster. And the technique is to, as a teacher, I guess, is to help the child in the class, get down that scale from five to one. And one of the techniques she uses, she tells me, and when there's, a, I guess, a classroom assistant available, Alana gets some one-to-one time, and with a kids that's kicking off, she even printed, I think you printed this off and talked it through with the kid, is, look, what, what, what are you feeling like? 
Are you like this volcano just bubbling up? <laughs> you can imagine it. And then, uh, and so, the, and, and Alana talks to, and and says, "Well, why is that? What's been happening? Tell me about it." <sighs> and the calmness starts to come. The calmness starts to come. And as the person and the child is listened to and understood, we start, oh, that's why. It's been a tough day at home. My dad's ill, or difficulty with friends, or the cat's died again. Or, you know, there's stuff going on. And, and, and often kids come in, I guess, when they're at a four already, and one little trigger, and the five is like, Grr. so you, you're just being aware of that. And I think I've found this... You know, this illustration continues to the active volcano, the smoking gun, to the dormant volcano where people live and grass grows and greenery comes and fruit is born. And I just love that image. That's, you know, I just so um, symbolic of what God wants to do in our lives to make us fruitful. And we need to, I think it just helps me, whether, you know, I hope it doesn't feel patronizing standing on toes talking about kids, but identify with those kids. When I'm leaving the house, don't talk to me. I need to find my keys, my wallet, my car, where's it gone again, and in my bag and my coffee and my whatever else is going on. And, you know, if there's something happening, not then, you know, and whatever else pushes your button and triggers you, you'll be aware of. And one of the things that we need to start to recognize is not just the buttons that push us and where are we on the emotional scale and why is that and you know start to just settle ourselves down before we cause and one of the phrases I think Alana talked about was this the power of pause she's helping the kids and they're training the kids to when you're at a volcano erupting just take some time out go to the take yourself off to the quiet place in the classroom just withdraw for a little bit. Just pause. And helping the kids, one, recognize their emotionals on what's going on and why. Helping them calm down. Helping them press that pause. And there was one beautiful moment when she did this with a kid um, who was just all over the place. Expecting, you know, and it's so easy. Like, yeah, this is like, this is just a disaster. So, you know, Alana manages to take the kid aside goes through all this and gets them to the smoking. How are you feeling? I'm okay, I'm okay. And then after all, she says, so how are you feeling now? Loved. The kid said, I feel loved. Because she'd been able to deal with the steam and the heat and the frustration and the anger and was now feeling, I think she'd say, better or okay, but loved. There's the goal. That's what Jesus is doing in us. That's what we're hoping to do with one another. As we face difficulties and frustrations from each other, and we will, don't just think of it as an opportunity to fix a problem, get your own way, but recognize it as an opportunity to bring fruit, to bear somebody, bear with somebody, to help them grow in love and passion and compassion and kindness, what is lacking, or you to grow more likely in love and compassion and kindness, that fruit might be born 
and growth might come. Isn't that beautiful? I feel love. Maybe the band can just come back. And that um, song you were praying, I think it was Make Room. Is it Make Room? That one. Can you do that one for us? Just quietly behind the scenes to start with. And um, just got one last slide to finish, um, which is a bit of a belter. Jesus recounted this proverb, anecdote, parable. It's a famous one. I think Mel talked about it the other week. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye. And then you will see more clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. If you remember Paul's in Ephesians, if you look at that again, he says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And again in Colossians, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So it seems the first key is humility. Just thinking, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, they've wound me up, but what's in my heart that's wrong? So it seems to be always the first question we should be asking. Take the speck out of your own eye. And I'm just going to take the opportunity to pray and ask you to join me in prayer right now. We can maybe do some work here. Imagine if we had a clean sheet going back out into the world of every offense that you're carrying right now and it's been wiped away. It's gone. Every negative thought you've been harboring against others because they're just not doing what you want, working something out, if things have gone wrong in relationships, if you're harboring a grudge, just take this moment to humble ourselves and say, I'm sorry, Lord, for putting myself above instead of understanding what that person's maybe going through, taking time to listen, to recognize that they're maybe just not there yet in their growth in compassion and love and kindness. Oh, Lord, help me bear with them. Help me help them through this. Holy Spirit, I pray right now you'd help every person here just give up anything that's holding back a relationship that you want to thrive, that you want to grow, that you want to nurture. Help us recognize the effect we have on people when we withdraw. And help us give ourselves to each other in love. Help us give ourselves and carry each other 
be Lord-bearing people, nurturing people. I just want the peace of God. I ask the Holy Spirit now to let that go. That, that is gone. Forgiven. Forgive the person. Forgive yourself. Let the burden go. Let the fire go out. And as the smoke dies down, let the green grow and the fruit flourish in Jesus' name. We're going to see a breakthrough in great relationships. We're going to see strength in marriages. We're going to see friends restored. We're going to see families stronger together. As we understand and recognize that the unity God wants for us, he's purchased for us on the cross. We can forgive because Jesus bore the sins of all people on the cross. So we can forgive them just as Christ forgives us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. It's gone. The burden's gone. What you've been carrying is gone. The fire's out. The peace of God has come in Jesus' name. Receive it now. Let's stand together. Let's stand together in faith and hope and in the, with a blank sheet ready to face Another week of challenges, of relationships, in Jesus' name, and sing this beautiful song. Okay.